Crosspoint. We are continuing our series uh, through the book of Romans, not through the book of Romans, but through Romans chapter 12, as we take a look at the ministry gifts that are found in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. We are, I'm going to need a moment here because the application closed out my message. <laughs> That's the first time that has happened. I apologize. All right, we're ready to go. I can see. I wonder which one of you guys didn't want me to talk about the subject. Subject snuck up here. Who did that? Listen, we are talking about the spiritual gift of giving today, right? The spiritual gift of giving. And I know somebody snuck up here to close that out. He didn't want it to happen. That's all right. We're going to move forward here. We're continuing our series right through the spiritual gifts, and we're talking about the spiritual gift of giving. And I want to continue to hammer home at the beginning of this message the same, one of the same things we've been hammering home this in for the last three or four weeks. That is simply this, that you may not think that you have a spiritual gift, but you do, right? You may not think you have a spiritual gift, but you do. Okay, I'm going to keep saying it until everybody says amen. You may not think you have a spiritual gift, but you do. All right, turn to your neighbor and say you're gifted. That's right, you are gifted. The Bible teaches us that each person is given a spiritual gift at salvation, right? So when you said yes to Jesus, when you say yes, Jesus, I, I want to give you my life. I'm surrendering my life to you. The Bible tells us that something unique happened in that moment. When you surrendered to Jesus, that he placed his spirit in you, a new spirit in you. You were literally born again in your spirit. And when you were born again, not only did he place his Holy Spirit in you, but he also gave you spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts to be used for his glory and for his kingdom. Let's read together in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. It says, for, the grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So, a verse I want to just make sure you understand. God is telling us that everybody has received a measure of faith for a purpose. Now, purpose is to be used in the spiritual gifts. Whereas in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let's all say that together. Let us use them, right? This is an emphatic statement in Scripture. It is not a, a suggestion. And it's not suggesting, hey, you have all given ministry gifts, and I want you to come to church and sit down in the seat and enjoy the service. He says, no, I want you to come, be a part of my church, and use your giftings in some way. We call these the functional gifts within Romans chapter 12 because we believe these are the giftings that God gives to people in order to build his church to do the work of the ministry. Remember our series, Big Idea. And it's simply that you are made to matter and your spiritual gift is important. 
you have a spiritual gift. That spiritual gift is important, and you were made to use that spiritual gift for God's glory in God's church as you lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word of truth today. And Father, as, as we continue through this series, my prayer is that your Holy Spirit would, would really imprint this truth on our lives, that each of us were, are given a spiritual gift. Our gift matters. We were made to matter. Our gift is important, Lord, and you've given us that gift to do the work of the ministry. That is how much you believe in your people today. Father, I pray that you will send your spirit here today and to speak to our hearts about our spiritual gifts and how we can use them. And Lord, as we delve into the spiritual gift of giving, Majesty, I realize that it may not be the most popular one. There may not be anybody in this room aspiring to have the spiritual gift of giving. But Jesus, you have gifted people with this. And as they embrace this gift and walk in it, as there they will find their place of meaning and purpose in the kingdom, I pray. Speak to us clearly through your word. Your truth is all we want today. In Jesus' holy name, everybody said, amen, amen. Today, is, as we're talking about the spiritual gift of giving or contributing, it may say in your Bible, uh, it reminds me of, of, of several different jokes. Because as I said in my prayer, I believe this is really the one spiritual gift that, that people want to avoid. You know, Lord, as, I, as I'm taking the spiritual gift test, don't let it be given. Don't, don't let it be giving. Don't let it be giving. <laughs> I can just imagine the shock and dismay when it pops up giving. Ah! <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? Give. Anyways, let's say, uh, so, but it reminds me of a couple jokes. There was a, a $100 bill, and his name was Benjamin, because, you know, Benjamin Franklin. Okay, anyways, and there was a $1 bill, and his name was George, because, you know, George. So. All right, anyways, a $100 bill and a, and a $1 bill are old buddies, and they haven't seen each other for several years. And they finally get together over a cup of coffee. And the $1 bill says, man, Ben, what have you been up to? And the $100 bill says, well, man, you know, I've been living such a great life. Man, I've been to the movies. Man, I've been to the movies hundreds of times. Man, I've been to I've been to a concert recently. Recently, I was at a football game. In fact, just yesterday, I was used to buy the newest iPhone. Ugh, the one dollar bill is like, man, that's that sounds like an exciting life. And the and the hundred dollar bill looks at me and says, George, what have you been up to? And the one dollar bill says, you know, you know, Ben, you know, I'm just the same O. I just go from church to church to church to church. In fact, I heard a story about a man who had a horrible dream, right? Terrible dream. He, he said he dreamed that the Lord took his Sunday offering and he multiplied it by 10 and then said, now this is your weekly income and you have to live off of this. He said, man, it's terrible. It was terrible. In my dream, I lost everything. I lost my car. I lost my dog. I lost my house. I lost 50 pounds after all. How do you live on $10 a week? <laughs> come on, people. Come on. The $1 bill, right? It's, it's all coming together, right? So if the Lord took yours, your offering, multiplied it by 10, and made that your weekly income, how much would you have to live on, right? Would it be enough to live on? Now, many of you would have plenty to live on. You'd have an abundance because many in this church give above their tithe. They give above the first 10%. This is a giving church. But this is a challenging thought for many people. Now listen, this is not a message 
about giving to the church, and I don't want you to think that's, that's what it is. This is absolutely a message about the spiritual gift of giving. But in order, order to get there, to talk about it more adequately, we have to lay a foundation so that we understand the difference between giving as an act of discipleship, meaning giving the first 10% of our income, the Bible word is, for that is called a tithe, and giving as an act of giving through the spiritual, the spiritual gift of giving. There's two different things, right? We have to talk about that, that difference this morning before we move on. And I want you to know that I tried, man, I tried really hard not to talk about money too much in this message. I, 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 and I did it for a couple of reasons. I did it because one, um, but, but I, rather, I feel like I have to talk about money for a couple of reasons. The mishandling of our money will choke out the spiritual gift of giving in somebody's life. And the second reason is because how we give is always a discipleship issue. And I know many people may not want to hear that. How we give is always a discipleship issue. And that giving of the full tithe and giving joyfully without restraint, giving and balancing our budgets and all these things comes from the heart of a disciple who is fully committed to Jesus Christ. Because in our culture, church, we really battle with with really this, this concept of materialism and prosperity. And that becomes our pursuit sometimes more than the pursuit of Jesus. So how we honor Jesus through our tithe, the first 10%, is an important indicator of of a fully devoted Christian life. You see, it's easier to hold money closer to our heart than it is to hold Jesus. Sometimes we can hold money closer to our heart than we hold other things that are more important, or even family members. I remember years ago, my wife called me, and, and she'd gotten a wreck. We had just gotten this, received this van, and she's giving me a hi, honey. She wa- you walked in on that point. That's great. Anyways, she, we just got, we just received this new van. It wasn't brand new, but it was new to us. And and she calls me, let me know she's been in a wreck, right? And uh, and uh, uh, and I'm like, oh, baby, are you okay? And how are things going? Are, are you hurt? And but you know what I really wanted to say? I really wanted to say, how's the van? How's the van? I know you're okay because you're talking to me on the phone. How is the van? I mean, money's tight at that time in our life. We, we, we were struggling just to get by in ministry. And, and she goes out and she gets in a wreck and wrecks the van. And all I can think about is what condition is the van? Well, it was totaled. Yeah, it was totaled. <laughs> I guess I deserve that. The point is simply this, that it's really easy for money and materialism to, to really hold a deeper place in our heart without us even realizing it. And, and I can tell you that when, when she calls me, tells me she's in an accident, and my first reaction is when to ask how the van is, that's a warning sign that there's something off there in my life, right? And I need to, I need to talk to Jesus about this. St. Augustine, great ancient theologian, said this. He said, where your pleasure is, there's your treasure. Where your treasure is, there's your heart. Where your heart is, there is your happiness. And therein lies the problem. If our happiness is wrapped up in materialism and possessions, right? Man, those will never fulfill us. We will never have enough. We will never have enough money. 
never have enough possessions. Why do you think some of the most wealthy people in the world get caught up in scandals, financial scandals? Because they can never have enough. It doesn't fulfill you. Only Jesus does. And it's really easy in our prosperity-driven culture. It's easier for us to choose the almighty dollar over almighty God. And that's why how we handle our tithe and how we handle our giving is always a discipleship issue. That's why Jesus spoke about the place money will hold in our heart more than any other topic in the New Testament other than the kingdom of God. Look it up. Count the number of times Jesus talked about money compared to any other topic other than the kingdom of God. You see, here's why this is an important issue for all of us, but especially for those with the spiritual gift of giving. Because having an unhealthy attachment to money and, and to material things, right, it'll choke out the gift of giving in someone's life, and it can even choke out, right, um, our ability to serve Jesus without attachments, whether you have the spiritual gift of giving or not. The Bible teaches us that a fully devoted disciple will follow God's plan for their finances. Did, were you aware that, that God has a plan for your finances? And I'm telling you, he's the best financial plan, uh, planner ever. He has a plan. And God's plan will free us from unhealthy attachment to money as well as bless us and also position you to excel in the gift of giving. Let's talk about God's financial plan for just a moment. The first step in his financial plan is, you guessed it, tithing. Giving the first 10%. I mean, there's something that happens when you reach that point in your relationship with Jesus where you are, you're able to trust him and to give that first 10%. And I remember in that journey in my life, how hard it was for me to get there, to give that first 10% and say, Jesus, I don't know how I'm going to make my bills, but I'm going to honor you in this. And then see his faithfulness come through. Now, I'm not... This is, I'm not here to really, I'm not going to try and debate with you whether you think that tithing is relevant for today or not. It is our position that it is. We believe that the tithe predates the Old Testament law. We believe that Jesus never condemned the tithe, but condoned the tithe. So I'm not here trying to justify tithing. I just believe this is part of God's plan. In fact, I've heard a lot of bad tithing stories in my day. I've been witness, I've witnessed most of them. I've had people give their tithe and then come and ask for it back. One guy wanted his tithe back so bad, he broke into the church. It broke into his, the church and it broke into the cabinets to, to steal his tithe back. One church received a, a really large donation. I believe it was $50,000 they received. They were in the middle of a, a building program. And they received $50,000. They were so grateful for this influx of money to help the program along. They immediately invested it into the building program, only to find out several months later that the person who gave the money embezzled it from his company. And now the company was calling asking for the money back. Well, how do you come up with $50,000 when you've already spent it, right? I, people understand churches aren't banks, man. We just don't have it sitting around. It, 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 takes, it takes the blessing that you give us through your giftings and through your tithe in order to make ministry happen. Uh, I've had people withhold their tithe as punishment to the pastor. Now you know why I didn't want to talk about money, amen, right? That's why I didn't want to talk about it. 
But church, I have to be faithful to what Jesus asks of me. And we have to be faithful to what Jesus asks of us. And when he calls us to tithe, he asks us, asks us to do this faithfully. How do you tithe? You start by tithing faithfully. Meaning when I get paid, God gets paid. Right? When I get paid, God gets paid. He is my first, he's the first payee. Above my bills, above my savings account, above my pleasure fund, God gets paid. That's giving faithfully. Malachi chapter 3 says, will, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how? How have we robbed you? In your tithes and your contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. And in order to avoid that and to be faithful, when we get paid, God should get paid. The second thing he says about the tithe is we're to give it faithfully, but also we're to give it proportionately. Proportionately, meaning we are all to give the same amount, which is 10%. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe into the Lord's the storehouse. The full tithe, the full 10%. In other words, I don't, if, if I'm making a million dollars and you're making $10, right? We are all giving the same amount, the same sacrifice, rather. Not the same dollar amount. We were all making the same sacrifice and giving 10%. And it's not the dollar value that matters. It's the heart to say, Jesus, I'm willing to sacrifice for you. I'm willing to let go of this for you. And so we all give proportionally. We all make the same sacrifice. In other words, there's equal sacrifice, not equal amounts. The second thing that Jesus says, how to handle our money first is, is the tithe. So have a clap, clap offering for the tithe, all right? Clap offering for the tithe. All right, okay, very good. All right, very good. The second thing he, see, he says, and I'm going to tell you straight up, this was far harder for me than tithing. But he tells us to budget, to live off of a budget. What a dirty word that is in my life, right? Because I, I literally have, <laughs> I'm getting better. If I didn't have a wife, man, I don't know that I, I would have any financial self-control in my life. Proverbs 22, 7 says, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Now, listen, Jesus is not promoting socialism in this verse. That's not what he's trying to say. He's not trying to say because the, 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 the rich have money that they, we, should, we should give it, to, give it to us. No, what he's saying is when you spend more than your income, you enslave yourself to debt. And it's really hard to prosper. It's really hard to follow God's plan for money when you, we are overextended and living above our income and, and paying into a, a massive consumer debt. Talking about a budget, Proverbs 27, 24, and 27 says, For riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure for, to all generations. When the grass is gone, and the new growth appears, and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing, and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household, and maintenance for your girls. Now, let me explain this for a little bit. In a time when they didn't have paper money, when they didn't have electronic deposits, when they didn't have bitcoins to invest in. Goods, flocks, and herds were the measure of your wealth. And God is telling us to manage what we have. Know the condition of our flocks. Know the condition of our herds. 
right? Manage them well. He's telling us to manage what we have and to live within our means. And you know what that is? That's a budget. That's our word for a budget. The third step in God's financial plan. The first two steps are are tithe, live on a budget, and the third one is save. That's important to be saving money. Part of budgeting is really a saving for the future. Proverbs 21.20 says, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. In other words, we're called to save a little bit up, right? Not to spend and exhaust everything we have. Proverbs 13.11 says, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. I believe it was in the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, that I read where he really talked about how we should pay ourselves first. Rich Dad, Poor Dad may have talked about that the same same way. Listen, I don't want to offend any authors out there. Somebody said this, okay? But the concept is this, is that you pay yourself before you pay anything else, before you pay your bills, before you pay the government, you pay yourself. In the church, it should look like this. We pay God 10%, and then I encourage you to pay yourself 10%. Give God 10%, pay yourself 10%, live off the the remaining 80%. And if you continue to do that, especially from a young age on, you will acquire an excess. And I'm not here trying to tell you that God's financial plan is going to make everybody rich. But I am going to tell you it will give you an abundance. And I believe that anybody can practice this. We just have to learn to, to choose to sacrifice in areas at, at times that is so hard for us to do. The fourth step in God's financial plan, tithe, budget, save, is simply be generous. There's a blessing with generosity. He's talking about giving above the tithe, giving above the 10% as the Holy Spirit leads you and directs you. In Acts 20, it says, In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And Proverbs echoes these words, Proverbs 11, and when it says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. Why? Because we've honored Christ first with our tithe, because we've pr- we practiced restraint and lived on a budget, and because we've saved, we can now be generous as the Holy Spirit leads us. Church, God's financial plan not only blesses us and frees us from the demonic hold of materialism in our life, but it also positions those with a spiritual gift of giving to be able to excel in their gifting. To excel in their gifting. God hasn't given the spiritual gift of giving, right? And, and it doesn't expect us to work on our end to be able to be in a position to give. He expects us to follow his financial plan so that we're in a position to be able to give liberally and generously and find that place of, 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 of not only just satisfaction, but of purpose and meaning as the Lord uses us in that area. Here's the the definition we like for the spiritual gift of giving. 
the supernatural functional gift that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to contribute the material resources to the work of the Lord with liberality and cheerfulness. Here's where the spiritual gift of generosity differs from the discipleship act of tithing. When we as a disciple, we may struggle to give the full tithe or or we may still be growing in that area and learning how to trust God and to give the full tithe. Those with the spiritual gift of giving, they delight and find purpose in giving. They delight and find purpose in giving and giving generously. See, persons with the gift of giving are rarely recognized. You really, you really know who they are. Because when they give, it's not seen. And they usually give out of a really humble heart. They're not the ones up front letting, trying to let everybody know how much they've given. They're humble. But the spiritual gift of giving is so important. It's just as important as any other spiritual gift in the church. I want you to consider our worship time this morning. We had a full worship team up here. That was so cool, right? We've got musicians who are, who are gifted at, at playing instruments. We have vocalists who are gifted at singing. We have the worship leader out front, and all of our eyes are on them. And we see all their giftings at work. And it is such an important part of the church and the, and the life of the church. Such a, an important part of what we do on a Sunday morning is to, is to worship Jesus, and they make that possible. And we get to see their spiritual gift. It is out front. They use their spiritual gifting and their talent in a special way, a way that everybody can see. But just as importantly, God has blessed certain people with talents and gifts used for extraordinary generosity. And although the person with the gift of generosity will probably never be known like the worship leader or the worship team, still the spiritual gift of generosity contributes to the rhythm of the gospel in our church to the rhythm of the life of the church in a really important way. And it does that by bridging the gap between what is needed for the church and what is given. And we're going to explain that for a moment here. I've been here, well, almost nine years, eight, eight and a half years plus. Since we've been here, we've been through three building remodels or, or uh, building projects or remodels, you might say. With each project, this church has been generous. This is one of the most generous churches I've ever been a part of. Well, it is the most generous church that I personally have ever been a part of. But with each project, it's taken people to step up and to give extra generously in order for us to meet our goals, in order for us to meet the goals of the project. As our church gives, but it's taken people to step up and give extra generously in order to really meet those goals. Take our current project. This current project was set to go, and then we lost $20,000 due to air conditioning repairs, right? Uh, that, <laughs> that was pretty devastating. I mean, I don't, you guys weren't worried about it, but I was losing hair over it, okay? Right? I'm, we're scheduled to go. We've got to get this done. And I'm wondering where this money is going to come from. And I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a faith walk and a faith journey with Jesus. What's going to happen here, Lord? And then somebody anonymously drops $20,000 into our building fund. Somebody with the gift, the spiritual gift of giving comes up and gives us $20,000. Somebody who didn't know our need, 
It came from without outside of our church family. But don't miss the connection here. It was someone with the spiritual gift of generosity that Jesus used to reward all of our faith. As we've been preparing for this remodel, as we've been, uh, uh, people have been giving and donating, giving generously to this remodel, right? And then something comes up to, to, to stall it out, to knock us off course. And God uses somebody with the gift of generosity to come and to reward all of our faith. That's the importance of the gift of generosity in the church. See, when a church or a ministry steps out in faith, they believe they've heard from God, and they begin to move forward in that, that, pro, that project, and God's people respond in faith towards the goal. It's those with the spiritual gift of giving that fill in the difference between what has been given and what is really needed for the project. And as you walk in your spiritual gift of giving, listen to this point. As you walk in your spiritual gift of giving, Everyone's faith around you grows as they see their faith rewarded. And they'll never know that you were one of the, one of the major contributors that helped their faith grow. All they know is that they put their faith in Jesus. They bought into a vision, something that God was leading their church in a direction to go. Whether that was an outreach, whether that's a building program, whether that's a ministry launch. All they know is God has placed this vision in their heart and people are giving to it and they're rallying to it. And then somebody with the spiritual gift of generosity steps in and gives above and beyond. And that makes that, that ministry happen. And everybody's faith is rewarded. Everybody's faith grows in that, mo that moment. And I want you to know that if you have the spiritual gift of generosity or the spiritual gift of giving, you are not just giving money. You are a faith builder in the church today. That's your real role. Your real role is helping to build faith people's lives. As we respond to Jesus, and then you step in to fill the gap, and that builds our faith. You're really a faith builder. As we get ready to close, I want to talk to you for a moment about the most generous person in the Bible. The most generous person in the Bible. This person may surprise you. It's found in Mark chapter 12. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came, a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. She gave a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had and all she had to live on. I believe that this, was, this widow had the spiritual gift of giving, right? And giving beyond her means, giving in faith, giving in trust, Listen, people with the gift of giving are not necessarily wealthy people. They're just people who love and trust Jesus and understand that God has given them this extra ability to give and to trust Him in extraordinary ways. In our church family, we have, a, we have an individual who is a part of our church family. And 
And this person regularly gives above their income. Now listen, this is not a rich individual. He, he, he's living on a, a fixed income. But he regularly gives above his, his tithe in order to fund different ministries and, and help other people grow in their ministry. And he, reached, uh, he received an inheritance. And he, he promptly wrote out a, a, a tithe check, gave 10% of that inheritance to our church, which was a blessing. Then the Holy Spirit spoke to him to give more. And I'm having these conversations with him, and I know his life, and I know his situation. And he starts writing out this check, another big chunk of money that he's given to the church. And I look at him, I'm saying, look, don't do this. We, 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 we don't need this. I want you to keep this. And he looks up at me with this big smile on his face. And his face, it, I, I'm telling you, in that moment, it looked like his face was illuminated with joy. I'm not exaggerating. It looked like it was illuminated with joy. And he said, the Holy Spirit told me to. Right? The Holy Spirit told me to. I said, in that case, make it out to Randy Bass. No, I didn't, but, uh, but uh, uh, right? The Holy Spirit told me to. This is a person I believe that has the spiritual gift of giving. And in that moment, he was not only walking in obedience, but he was finding joy and, and fulfillment in making that sacrifice in giving generously. This is a person who finds more joy in giving to Jesus than holding on to it. Listen, there are all kinds of stories like this that take place in our church. What I want you to know, I share these because I think they're a great example of the spiritual gift of giving and how it helps and builds faith in the church. I want to invite the worship team up this morning if we have the lights turned down. Romans 12.28, and excuse me, excuse me, 12.8, and talking about the spiritual gift of giving or contributing, says the one who contributes in generosity. Now, this Greek word for generosity is the Greek word hablates. No, he's not telling you to go get a latte. It's, it's hablates, okay? And it can be translated, it's translated as um, Liberal liberality, to give liberally and generously, right? But I believe this, that the spiritual gifts God gives us, He gives us to you in order for us to bless others. But we are all to use our spiritual gifts whether they have the spiritual gift of generosity or, or prophecy or mercy or serving or teaching or leading. We're all to use our spiritual gifts, right? Generously, liberally. Whatever we're to do, whatever spiritual gift we have, we're not to hold on to it. We're not to keep it to ourselves. We're not to be sparingly with our spiritual gifts. Because when we use our spiritual gifts to benefit others, it brings glory to Jesus Christ. Author theologian Murray J. Harris says, the steward needs, to, needs an open hand 
an open hand to receive from God. And then an active hand to give to others, right? That's, that, that's, that's the attitude we need to have with all of our spiritual gifts, whatever they are. An open hand to receive from God, and then another open hand to, receive, to give to others. An active hand, rather, to receive, to give to others. That's the rule for all of our gifts and our talents. We all need to live with that open hand and that active hand because that brings glory to Jesus. When we receive healing, we want to help in healing. When we receive love, we want to extend love to others. When we grow in wisdom, we want to pass our wisdom on. And then together, the rhythm of the gospel marches on. Together, the rhythm of the church calls to people. And together, the power of the gospel sets people free. That's my belief. Let's take a moment just to respond to Jesus. And I'm wondering today if money and material things, maybe you're hearing this message and and you don't, you might have the gift of giving or you might not, but what you're hearing is that, that maybe money and material things might be just a little too important to you. I'm not saying that these things aren't important and we don't need them in life. Of course we do. But am I spending, overspending? Do I refuse to live on a budget because I, I don't want to control my spending habits? Am I spending everything I have rather than saving? Am I unable to tithe because I spend everything? And if that's, you find yourself in that position, then maybe money, material things are just a little too important to you. And you need to embrace God's plan so you can live without that unhealthy attachment in your heart. Would you just have a conversation with him? In just a moment, the worship team's going to leave us, leave us a song. And I just want to invite you, if you find that conviction in your, your heart today, just to talk to Jesus about it. He can break that. He can set you free. He can reframe the way you think about money and finances. And he can begin to heal those, your finances, if you will begin to follow his plan for your money, to tithe, to budget, to save, to be generous. But one more question for you. Maybe you're hearing money is not an issue for you. Are you using your spiritual gift with an open hand and an active hand? Are you receiving from Jesus and then passing that on as the Holy Spirit leads you? Are you making room for that in your life? Is that important to you today? Maybe the conversation you need to have with Jesus is just to say, Lord, I need to begin to take my spiritual gifts seriously for your glory, God. I, I want to be able to live with an open hand and an active hand to, glory, to, live, to honor you. Why don't you have those conversations with Jesus? That's a way of worshiping him. Right? When we surrender parts of our life to Him, when we're open with Him and honest about our struggles, that's the way of worshiping Him. So as we sing this song, 
Let's worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Most worthy, worthy of praise, exalted above all things, my God, to you, my God, your splendor and majesty, your wonder. Fills everything, my God. You are my God. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord Almighty. Seated on the throne. Seated on the throne of glory. High lifted up. Your presence fills the temple and we worship you. Oh, we worship you. Creation points to the King, the
glorified in our lives, Lord God. Be glorified, Jesus. As we surrender to you, in your holy name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be watching online or you may be here in, in person. And, and what you hear is that God has a, a plan for your life. He has a plan for your, your finances. But the first step to walking and living in that plan and that blessing is to give your life to Jesus. And if you're here and you haven't done that, if you're watching online, you've never given your life to Jesus. And, and I want you to know this is different than just saying, I believe in Jesus. It's saying, God, I'm giving you my life. And for this moment forward, uh, I'm going to live for you. No matter how many mistakes I make, I'm going to continue to follow you, trusting you, living for your glory. God's word says that we make that commitment. We commit our lives to following Jesus. Then that moment, he places his spirit in us and we are born again. And I want to invite you into that moment and into that relationship with your Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to be born again today. And if you hear, if you feel God's Spirit tugging at your heart, let's make that step. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. These words are not necessarily important. It's the commitment coming from your heart to give your life away to Jesus that will forever change you. So as you say these words, you make this commitment. You can be sure that God will place his spirit in you and he's going to begin to walk with you. He's going to forgive you. He's going to begin to change you. You will be born again. Let's pray together. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. And I believe that I need him. I need his forgiveness. I need his hope, and I need the life he offers me. So Jesus, I'm surrendering my life to you today. I give you my heart and my will, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to begin to change my life. From this forward, moment forward, I live for you. In your holy name I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, if you have said that prayer, if you have said that prayer online or, or you're here in the audience today, welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the Cross Point family. We are so glad you've made this commitment. If you will grab a hold of your connection card, let us know in that card that, hey, I made a commitment to follow Jesus today or, or to recommit to following Jesus. If you're watching online, you can go to our website at cpyakima.church. Click on the prayer tab, which is right on the landing page. It'll open up the very same connection card we use. Let us know, man, I made a commitment to follow Jesus. We want to get you a great Bible. We want to give you a couple tools to help you grow in your faith. Because we believe that nobody goes on this journey we call the Christian life alone. We love you guys. Welcome to the family of God. Good word, amen. I was thinking about just being generous, you know, what that word is. You know, when you're generous here at church, we're able to give people Bibles. 
you know, when we're generous and just when we're generous and just give what the Holy Spirit tells us to give, the things we can have the impact on people's lives. You know, we heard stories about people giving big amounts, but they're really, man, when God says, speaks to your spirit and says, so $10 into the care and share fund or, you know, man, I'm, the Spirit's having me give $10 to something. That amount is life-changing as well. It's not the $1,000 or the $5,000 or the few hundred dollars. Man, God can change a life with a dollar or a $5 bill or a $100 bill. Or We just have to be generous from what God is calling us to give, what He's calling you to give. Man, I love, there's nothing better than myself than me being a giver. It's life-changing for me, and I know it's life-changing whoever gets that as the end result. You know, if you sow through the church, we don't, sometimes we don't know where that it's going at the end result, but God does. And that's who we're giving to, you know, at the end, man, earlier we're, we're, I'm talking about this card in the beginning of the service and we had you hold on to it till the end to respond, man, if God's speaking to you and you need prayer, man, put it on that card, put it in the black boxes at the door. If you're watching online, you can go to the website as pastor talked about earlier, this card pops up. Man, start filling stuff in there. What's he, what do you need prayer for? What's he calling you to give? Well, I mean, what's he calling you to do? What's he calling you to give? Man, do what God calls you to do, and you turn into that cheerful giver, which is what the verse we talked about earlier in uh, 2 Corinthians. Man, let's everybody, let's everybody stand together. We want to go out of here proclaiming the word of God. Amen? Let's read this verse out loud together, loud and proud. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Have a blessed week.